Before we get into today's episode, we do have a quick content warning. In this episode, we talk about a range of things and discuss mental health, depression, eating disorders, anxiety, and ADHD. These topics may be upsetting for some listeners, so if you need to skip today's episode, that's okay and we'll catch you in the next one. Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we serve up bottomless brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. We're your hosts, Tegan and Rachel, and today we have our very first guest, Ooh. Andy Hatton from Legacy Pilates. So Andy uh, owns and is the founder of Legacy Pilates and Strength in Croydon in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Andy's someone who's turned her passion into a business. So she started Legacy in 2019, just before the infamous Melbourne lockdowns of 2020 and 2021, and we'll delve into some of those challenges a little bit later on. But her vision is to feel inspired by other people's progress and listening to their stories and where they want to get to. Uh, so to be the snowball effect and catalyst for lasting changes and to hashtag leave a legacy. And fun fact, I know we mentioned in our very first episode around making friends as an adult that Rach and I kind of bonded uh, while doing Pilates and that was one of our things and we actually were doing that at Legacy. So it's kind of a full circle moment for us here today. Um, but first up, like Andy, thank you so much for being here and um, dealing with some of the, we had some technical challenges getting <laughs> <Just a few. laughs> our first guest on today, but maybe you could start just telling us a little bit about you. Firstly, thank you for having me here. This is, I don't know, I, I like, on the way when I was driving here, uh, it just felt, I don't know, really crazy that anyone would want to listen to my story and um, have an invested interest in what Legacy is about. So I am so honoured to be here. And yeah, it's wild to think that something that you thought about as a project um, just manifests in some, into something greater than you would ever imagine. So I appreciate that, you know, the message is, you know, being, I don't know, presented in the right way that it could bring friends together and, um, yeah, you you guys could empower each other to, I don't know, be here today and invite me here to be here today. So, yeah, I appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah. No, thank you for being here. It's actually so exciting. And to even just have our first guest on is like, we, I messaged Tegan earlier today. I was like, we're doing our first guest today. Like, we're just so excited. But look, tell us, how did you actually get into the fitness industry? What was the, what, what started Legacy? What was the catalyst? Yeah. Well, I guess a friend forced me to come and do a Pilates class with her way back when. Um, so I went with her. Uh, because I was forced. Nah. Was it Reformer Pilates or Matt it was, Pilates? Yeah. yeah, it was Reformer Pilates. And I don't know, we did it as our thing. Um, long story short, I ended up staying with the thing. And there was one day I was kind of laying on a bed. It was a Saturday morning. No, it went. I, I remember it well. But um, yeah, I just looked at this person and I just wanted to be as happy as this person. Mm. I knew that for myself, Reformer was my hour of power. Um, and it took me out of everything and all the chaos that sort of surrounded me. So for mental health reasons, and I think that a lot of people connect with that part of the fitness industry and that place that you can kind of, I guess, just be in that moment and be still. It's a meditation form, I think, for myself. Yeah. So it kind of, yeah, manifested into something really different. I um, I don't, yeah, I don't feel free to, to do what you will with this. But um, there was a moment of just true sadness for myself and um, I didn't want to be here. And I tried to kind of work 
through that process in my own ways. Um, and I woke up uh, that day and was really upset that I had done something like that to my family and the people mm-hmm. that I love. So I went to my dad. I was living with him at the time and I apologized and I said, I need help. So I guess we were trying to work through that process of trying to figure out what um, what would give me purpose and life again and mm. what would give me a reason to be here. And um, we started, yeah, working through this equation um, and fitness and Pilates was the thing that he basically put me through. I mm. couldn't afford it at the time, um, so he put it on a payment plan and, yeah, it just meant the world to me that I could – find my purpose in life again and I think that's why you know legacy is just such a I don't know there's so many layers to it Mm. but I don't always Mm. put it out there into the universe because it is a very personal connection to what it means to me um so yeah I guess you know that's why mental health is a huge thing for me um so your dad obviously leave a legacy and the whole name and um I guess guess idea around legacy that's that's inspired by your dad so was that from that moment because he obviously um supported you through that process that's where that came from when I thought about creating the studio it was after my dad passed away um so I was actually traveling on a bus like through Europe um and Anyway, I was trying to think of the, a name that would be a representation of my father and Ronald Hatton Pilates doesn't just <laughs> roll off the <laughs> tongue. <laughs> um, and I was like, I just want his legacy to be important. And I was like, fuck, there it is. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess like legacy was born from that because I wanted, you know, his legacy to be honoured. Um, the angel wing, I don't know how many people really, um, see the angel wing in, mm. uh, in our mm. logo, but that's, you know, he's my guardian angel that, mm. um, yeah, has that's, always been there. <laughs> that's so incredible. And thank you for like sharing that with mm. us because that's such a, yeah, like I think a really powerful story. And I think it's so, um, yeah, we often don't really give that much thought, I suppose, to like the brand names or brand logos of the places that we go, but it's really cool to hear about like sort of the deep connection to that name and the the logo and everything to your own personal story. And I think it just um, probably is one of the reasons why, you know, when you attend a legacy class and we have a lot of uh, listeners in the Eastern suburbs. So if you haven't tried it out, definitely (laughs) take your class. But I think you do feel that sort of like passion when Mm -hmm. you come in and there's that vibe and um, yeah, it's, you definitely, definitely notice it. So. Thank you. Um, Yeah. I think the empowerment message is it's a very, uh, it's a really strong value that, you know, the business really holds mm. um, that I'm very proud of with the the women that are teaching at the studio. Um, yeah, I guess that we all have that value and um, mm. within even the businesses that support us and that we support them back. Um, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's a very strong community and I, yeah, I'm very, mm. very blessed to be you know, in Croydon. (laughs) I think even that empowerment thing, like this probably sounds really silly. It's just such a small thing. But I remember probably a few months after we started going there, I think it must've been summer and we're really hot. And I don't remember who did it first, but one of us like just took our top off Tegan and just wore our crop top while we were doing a class. This sounds really, uh, this has a point. This sounds really (laughs) (laughs) strange. And then, then the other one did. And I can't remember who did it first, but we were, we were talking afterwards and I remember we just, 
just saying, I was like, oh, I've never actually just worn a crop top in like a gym class before. Um, and I think maybe you said, yeah, well, you took, you did it. So I thought I would as well and felt empowered to do the same thing. Or I, I can't remember which one of them. I just remember this. I remember, yeah, I remember the conversation. But yes, I don't remember who but was. I just like, it's like that kind of safe environment where you feel like you can get sweaty and ugly yeah. and anybody, uh, like all bodies, types, people, everyone is welcome. And um to, to be there and just get involved and have a good time. So it just triggered that memory for no, me. <laughs> no, I do love that. And um, I think that when it comes to body image and how we feel and how mm. we feel comfortable, um, I I do hope that Legacy is a space where people can feel comfortable in their own skin mm. to be what they want to be when they walk in. Mm. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't promote uh, particular sort of things and, you know, um, but just like mainly for the fact that I want people to feel empowered in their own skin. Um, it's a, it's been a huge thing for myself. Um, and you know, believe it or not, it was only about two years ago where I actually felt comfortable being in shorts mm-hmm. for the first time ever. Yep, I hear that. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was just such a hard transition for me to really love the body that I have mm. and feel blessed to be in it. Um, mm. so yeah, even like sitting here in a crop and my shorts (laughs) is just it's a it was a wild concept to me five Mm -hmm. years ago and I was in the fitness industry yeah so yeah I don't know sometimes I think the fitness industry could be the hardest place to be when it comes to body image Mm. like I even know like so when I started out my like tertiary education I actually started out studying physiotherapy yeah and even that's you know it's sort of related I mean everyone who does physio is quite everyone wears like was in the newest like Nike activewear and running 10Ks a day and whatever. And that wasn't really me. Like I was always active and fit, but not on the level of some other people. And I just remember feeling it can make you feel really on the outer Mm. sometimes. I never really felt like I fit. Maybe that's part of the reason why I ended up changing um, careers like down the line. Mm. But um, I imagine that could be really pervasive in the fitness industry because everyone's kind of living and breathing it. And then it almost kind of feeds into that need to be, have a six pack and be Mm, ripped and get up at 5am every day and run 10Ks and then yeah. eat only organic food and 100%. the list goes on. Um, when you think about some of the trainers that I have been truly inspired by in um, in the business, some that, uh, you know, have, um, you know, families now that they, like, I think ever like there are quite a few trainers that do the boomerang, you know, they go mm-hmm. and do life and then they come back when something comes up. But um the message that they have to their audience, whether it's Instagram, whether it's, you know, when they're teaching a class is that self-love for Mm. self. It isn't about being, I guess, that, um, what's the word for what you would think a fitness instructor needs to look like, Mm. you know, that sort of ideal and like that, I suppose that, that fitfluencer on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I've, um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it is a really hard thing to navigate yourself around, especially when being so involved in the fitness industry as well. Um, it's like, how do you present yourself and how do you do it in the right ways? You know, when I'm speaking to my cousins or my niece and, you know, my family members who, you know, might be going through that process, it's like, how do I empower them to feel so good and loved about themselves and have mm-hmm. such beautiful conversations with themselves in the morning mm-hmm. that I felt like I didn't get, you know, when I was sort of, you know, navigating myself mm-hmm. through high school. But, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just want that message to be so, um, 
I don't know, empowering for mm. people to walk into the studio and feel comfortable in their own skin mm. to wear whatever the hell they want um, that makes them feel good mm-hmm. for being themselves. Um, because, yeah, everyone should say beautiful, loving things to themselves. Mm. And, you know, it's definitely something that I um, am still very much working on every single day. Um, it's a lot of what I'm sort of developing in the background of the, you know, the legacy studio. It's um, going through my coaching and uh, different parts of the business that might seem so small to um, the clients but it's been a one-year investment for me and a lot of money for me to be able to do three courses on the back Mm -hmm. end of just creating one simple like 30-day challenge but doing it with intention and ensuring that people walk out of you know whether it's the 30-day the eight-week or you know the 12 12 weeks and it depends on where they are in life but um building those habits to fall in love with themselves because it's not just the outer. It mm-hmm. is hundred percent the inner. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, do you mind, do you mind delving in a little bit to your um, journey with body image and maybe is there anything that, uh, did you have any light bulb moments? Did you have anything you started to do to, to practice positive self-talk to what, what were the things that actually made a difference? Cause I just, I mean, I'm, I battle with that. I think we probably, yeah. a lot of us do. I feel like every woman in their late well, twenties and thirties yeah. diet culture has just been so pervasive yeah. throughout our entire lives. Like I think even if you've had a relatively good relationship with your body and with food and all that, I think everyone could probably um, pinpoint a time in their life where, you know, or even recently, you know, some days you just get up and look in the mirror and go, oh, my gosh, I just look horrible. Everything's awful, awful. Yeah. you know. So. Yeah, is there anything, were there any key moments for you or anything that you still do maybe that helps you? So many. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was, I used to dance until I was about 12 years old. Oh, what kind of dancing did you do? Um, I did ballet, uh, tap, jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I loved it. It was actually, it, it was it was everything that made me feel free. Mm. And um, so I ended up getting diagnosed with anorexia and I was hospitalized um, at 12 years old. And um, so they ended up taking me out of dancing. Um, And that was probably the first time that anyone realized that I had an eating disorder. Mm. Um, And, you know, going through high school and trying to be the cool kid and trying to, you know, feel pretty and like, you know, feel accepted. You know, that's in itself was, you know, that experience of, you know, the, yeah, the binge eating, the this and that. Um, long story short, um, to, you know, go into even the last two years have probably been a huge thing for me. Um, I ended up ha- getting a nutritionist. Um, I had one and I, that I saw every single week and it was never to tell me how to eat. It was to have better conversations with myself about Mm. eating food. Um, You know, um, I probably didn't start eating carbs properly until about a year ago, Um, which is, it's wild to think that, you know, Um, being a vegan, I don't, I don't get a lot of nutrients from other things. So I've got to be very intentional about how I take in, um, you know, um, food Mm. um but I also need I actually work better with a high carb diet yeah um so it's most of us do I think a lot as women like we need carbs Mm. but we it's almost programmed into us not to have demonized yeah Yeah. sorry yeah no and it's like it's wild to think that I would ever 
avoid carbs when it's like it's actually the biggest part of every single meal that I have now mm. so, and it's our fuel source it oh, makes yeah. our bodies do what it, they need to do 100% um and you know if I'm wanting to lift the weights that I mm-hmm. want to lift if I want to you know uh, be on my feet all day it's like I wasn't doing anything right for my body mm. um and as soon as that actually yeah that penny dropped um my like it, everything about like you know my day-to-day life has really changed and morphed and you know I actually look stronger I feel stronger Mm. I feel better in my own skin and I'm not limiting myself I'm not Mm. doing any of those things like you know if I I think my my guilty pleasure is Biscoff (laughs) like straight out of the jar um and you know I don't think I've ever felt the need to put it on a piece of bread because I just like yeah anyway (laughs) uh it's it's amazing so (laughs) um but yeah anyway and and but I do it without you know thinking twice it's like I need this for my soul (laughs) so yeah yeah that's such a hard thing to overcome I've had a few friends who have battled with um, eating disorders over the years and they are quite, I think they're really misunderstood mm. um, and they can be a really like difficult thing to overcome um, so it's really amazing that you've been able to sort of have that breakthrough because that doesn't come for a lot of people yeah well thank you and I appreciate it and I feel as though I'm hoping that you know within the space that we create at Legacy that mm. that message is very clear mm. um, I actually had when I first started the business I had someone, um, a marketing person come in and, you know, they were fresh out of, you know, um, you know, their school, schooling, um, what, what, what's the degree for it? I'm, on, yeah, I'm just, sorry. Marketing like degree, bachelor, undergraduate yeah. degree. <laughs> if I'm being insensitive, I'm sorry. No. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, just came out of school and anyway, he came on to like, this was the first business that he had ever sort of represented. Um, and there was a photo that came out and, um, I send it to him and he's like, well, you need to be the face of the business. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, nah, maybe not. (laughs) But um, he's like, well, why don't you send me this photo and I'll Photoshop you skinnier. Oh, God. And I never said to him why I didn't want to be the face of the business or anything. And I remember getting off the phone um, to him and I cried for hours to my boyfriend um, at the time. And it was just so soul crushing to – you know, every time I look at those photos, I'm like, I like, yeah, it, 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 like now I don't, I don't care looking at them. But when I used to look at and reflect back, none of those photos ever made it to, you know, airtime. And, um, I have thought about it actually recently and just posting it and just sort of having that, like, uh, that message behind Mm -hmm. it. But I, you know, I want to be intentional about it and how it's represented to what, that did for me as Mm -hmm. a new business owner, you know, getting out of, you know, their way and trying to, I don't know. Yeah. Put yourself out there and they're just like, nah, you're not skinny enough, but let me Photoshop that in. And, you know, um, it's a, it's a lot of the reason why when I first started the business, you know, Jenna was the poster child for, Mm -hmm. you know, um, everything legacy. And, you know, she's a beautiful, empowering woman and I'm so inspired by her every single day. You know, I still am. Mm -hmm. And I always will be, I would say, um, but the fact you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't, couldn't. use yourself. Yeah. Mm. And, um, but anyway, so that was another really big moment for me. That was, it, it, it impacted me for quite a, a, yeah. you know, a bit I after that. <laughs> I feel like sometimes like the smallest comments mm. can just have the most profound impact. Mm-hmm. Like I know I was a, quite a chubby kid, never been very good at sport and it wasn't very active, anything like that. And I had a family member, um, 
tell me at one point, like I was probably hitting puberty and I hadn't hit a growth spurt yet and I just kind of puffed up and um, sort of say to me, oh, you might want to start watching what you eat. And that was like the first time I remember being becoming aware of my body mm, yeah. and just being like, oh, my goodness, I'm taking up too much space. Or, you know, I I was like, oh, wow, okay, so I'm not and I'm different and I'm – and then I, like clearly <laughs> it stayed with me, but I know that um, my perception of myself uh, is always – is quite distorted uh, still. Like I still struggle with that, but I, like it's it, something like that is like you said, soul crushing and mm. you, it can totally tip you over the edge and then you can just fixate on that for the longest time. Yeah. And yeah. people don't even necessarily think about these things, but like the impact they can have. Yeah. But it goes both ways. It's not even about people, people commenting on people who they perceive to be in a quote unquote, like larger body. I've, mm. I know I've had a friend who, um, for a long time was like underweight for a really long time and not because not from any in, like she wasn't intending to be that way she was actually trying to pe- to put on weight mm. and then having people comment to her saying oh my gosh you're so thin and she was like she'd become yeah. self-conscious about how thin she was yeah. so it can go both mm-hmm. ways I think just speaks to the point that we shouldn't be focusing on each other's bodies we should be Absolutely. focusing on people's you know like you look amazing or you look you're glowing or yeah. I love your outfit or whatever yeah. it's less about their like aesthetics in terms of size 100 percent, and it is about having very positive conversations with yourself but you know you think about the wiring of you know the human condition and it's like so I think the average is what 27 years old that we are almost you know wired in a particular way so mm-hmm. um to unwire those yeah. parts can be really difficult after mm-hmm. that point because we've almost like We've almost set it in stone, but mm. you know it's not to say that there isn't ways to rewire those connections. Um, but it is a daily effort to, um, and it shouldn't be an effort, but you know to have those very positive conversations with yourself. Um, uh-huh. If you reflect on a lot of conversations that you may have in your life, it could be you know seventy percent of the conversations can be quite negative and oh, deflating. At least and I would say, yeah. And Definitely. when you're trying to rewire that, you're understanding that some of the conversations that you're having, you know, it can be really difficult um, to empower other people. You know, it is all I want to do in life, mm. and mm. it is how I spend a lot of you know my days now. Is like, how do I change and shift that? that conversation that this person is having with themselves about mm-hmm. their body, about themselves, um, but do it in the right ways. And and that's why I went through this life coaching course because I wanted to work on that and I really mm-hmm. wanted to be specific about it as well um, while doing it for myself. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's rewiring, 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 rewiring those connections with myself. Yeah. Um, and I, is it, Sorry to interrupt again. No. Um, is there anything from that course, like how do you find you pull yourself up on that? Because I, I struggle with this and my nutrition coach, um, she's spoken to me about talking to myself like you would talk to your best friend. Like yes. I would never, ever dream yeah. of saying the things that I, my internal dialogue to myself to, to you or to Tegan, you know. Exactly. And But she's also spoken to me about just being body neutral as well. It doesn't have to be crazy positive mm. all the time. It doesn't and mm. you can stop the negativity and just being okay with where you're at. Like is there anything you do to pull yourself up on it? I I I don't know if my my the ways that I do things mm. are um the ways that other people would do it. And I guess I'm still going very much through that process myself. Mm. I put a mirror where my bathroom is like so I've got the ensuite um going into my bedroom and I put it in like intentionally there. So as I walked out, mm-hmm. I would always have to look at myself in the mirror and have a very positive conversation. 
And whether it started with, um, you know, checking out my butt and being like, oh, yeah, that looks great. Booty game. Yeah. <laughs> or like whatever positive things I could say to myself, rather than picking myself apart, it was mm-hmm. just being different in, in that conversation that I would normally have. Mm. I think that a recent thing for me is having conversations with my mum and, mm-hmm. you know, hearing how she picks herself apart and mm-hmm. having to pull her up on that and just – I, uh, I guess educating her on the fact that these conversations are really hard for me to have with her because I think she's a beautiful, empowering woman that I, I just wish she, she could feel that for herself. Mm. And, um, you know, I almost flipped the script and this actually happened this morning and I was like, could you imagine if I came to you and I was like, I'm ugly, mum. I'm so fat today. I can't like, nah, I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm not uneducated. I'm not, no, I'm all of these things. And, you know, she doesn't see that. But when mm. I tell that to, like when I say that to my mother and, you know, she's now having that like connection hit it's like I wish that you would have more conversation, like better conversations with yourself and you could see yourself in your eyes like the way that I do yeah. and I will keep saying it but it's so hard to condition other people to have uh-huh. those positive, beautiful conversations yeah. with themselves and have those best friend chats uh-huh. with themselves. Yeah. Um, and pick all those habits that we have, yeah. mm. all those, even those, those ideas about ourselves and we see each other, mm. we see ourselves in the mirror and we start to pick ourselves apart. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, I don't know, starting the day with three things that you love about yourself. And I try and do three things um, externally and internally. Mm. And I know that you feel like you are going to run out of things, um, but it's almost like a gratitude journal. Yeah. Sometimes thinking three things you're grateful for can be really difficult. Yes. It doesn't have to be these big, profound things. Yeah. Like like I've got clean water or Mm. I've got, you know, (laughs) it's sunny today or like the smallest things, which is probably the same about yourself, you know. I have, you know, I'm able to... Uh, walk to work today like I have a body that enables me to do that 100% and I think that the more you do it the easier it gets Mm. yeah um it used to be so hard and now it's like I don't know I could like list 16 things in this day and it it could be the shittest day that I've ever had but I'll find the positives um so yeah it it is it takes work it takes effort um Mm. I'm not gonna lie about that you're not gonna wake up one day Mm. and just be like everything is like you know all of these things have just aligned maybe it does and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So let's lean into that if it yep. happens. <laughs> that happens. But um, I think that's definitely something you sort of bring through with legacy, like to bring it back to the the business. Um, it's that whole idea of that, like it's not ex- – it's about the joy of like moving your body, the joy of movement, the joy of exercise. It's not ever about like a punishment. Like we're not there to work off like a burger that we ate yes. on the weekend or – you know, one bad meal or whatever. It's when they're as a community, everyone's just moving their body in a way that feels good because it feels good. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that um, the punishment thing was something that used to be very real for me. Mm. And I'm so glad that I genuinely love working out and training so much that Mm. I almost overdo it, that I'm not empowering my body in the ways that I want to Mm. I just love it and I love connecting with people you know I work out with friends if anyone if you ask me to do a class with you I promise you I'm there and I'm probably doing (laughs) a double and all the things so it's almost just trying to fit it all in um, because of how passionate I am about it but there was once upon a time where it was so freaking hard 
to put on leggings, to put my shoes on, to walk out the door, mm. um, to, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. One, once upon a time it was actually really hard. And if you think about who I was in like even say 10 years ago before mm. I found Pilates, mm. you would never think that I was this person. I was never sporty. I never went to PE class. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm just not, I was never a fitness person. Mm. I was definitely very much the opposite of that. <laughs> like what is a fitness person? Yes. Like everyone can be a fitness person. It doesn't, yes. you don't have to fit a particular ideal or a particular aesthetic or yes. a particular body type. Like anyone can move their body in a way that makes them feel good. And anyone can yeah. be fit, quote unquote fit. Like what even is that? It's pretty arbitrary when you yeah. think about and it. And I love that you said that. I mm. really, really do. Because uh, yeah, it, it, it it's, yeah, it's a very hard place to fit into when you're in that industry. And mm. I think... Because it can feel so gatekept. Yes. yes. Like it's only for these type of people and everyone else oh, can't. Yeah. And then it makes it even more difficult for the people who want to get into it but feel in the attitude to then make those mm. positive changes in their that, lives. Yeah, every day. Because I'm going to start um, coaching at Legacy when I get my Cert 3 and I'm like, oh, I don't... I'm not... Do I look fit enough yet? Do I... That imposter mm. syndrome or that, that kind of fear around like, who am I to be doing this? Mm. Yeah. I... Um, and... I like truth be told with legacies Instagram is probably the hardest platform I've ever had to deal with mm. um which is why sometimes it like it just goes radio silent <laughs> and I wish it didn't because I've got all of these ideas there's all these things hanging out in the background mm. but it's like having that intentional message of really not trying to put that sort of I don't know. I don't want people to ever feel um, disempowered to walk through that space. Mm. You know, the fact that you booked the class, the fact that you're walking through the doors should be everything to, you know, where you're at in your life. And Mm. um, it is really hard to to navigate your way through that because, you know, body image um, is something that I've really struggled with for a very long time. It's actually something that a lot of my trainers have, um, you know, struggled with, which, you know, in the background of, you know, understanding like, you know, their branding and who they are as a person Mm -hmm. is why I connect with them so well, because Mm -hmm. they are not about, you know, cutting calories and, you know, like, yeah, just like, uh, yeah, as skinny as you can. (laughs) Um, So it can be a very difficult conversation um, to have when you're in this space, especially when you're under a microscope as well. Mm. Yeah. to put the right messages out there because I do want to be intentional about what I say to people. Um, and, you know, I always just think about my little cousins. I'm like, what would I say to them? How, mm. What advice would I give to them um, to feel really loved and supported from where I stand, you know, um, to make sure that they don't, you know, wake up and have those conversations with themselves in the mirror. Yeah. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Are you happy to tell us a little bit about when you made the decision to start the business and what was that process like? So were you, you know, obviously turning a passion, well, what had become a passion for you into a business and then taking that step to actually do that? Did you have a moment where you thought this is what I'm going to do or was it a gradual sliding into it or what happened? I love how this is kind of manifested because um, I was actually getting a coffee and acai bowl at <laughs> Croydon, acai <laughs> um, Brothers, Uh so <laughs> where every magical, amazing thoughts come from is while you're pondering over just life with an acai. <laughs> uh, no, and like, a coffee. Yeah, and a good coffee, yes. So I was there with my mum and there was a sign out the front of Blackwork and I I, I was toying with the idea, um, thinking about it, uh, 
But anyway, I saw that it was Felice. I looked at it. I don't know. It felt right. Mm -hmm. It was the only place I ever looked at. I was actually, I got on a plane. I went to London. I was on a two months journey to travel Europe and I ended up signing my papers um, in a hostel. Whereabouts? It was in Italy. (laughs) Wow. I like, it was like 5am. I got a call from my lawyer and he's like, yep, seems okay. I'm like, amazing. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah, I don't know if I was in my right mind to be able to sign something. Were you drunk? (laughs) 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 That's fine though. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I actually had like a pub crawl that night. It's all turned out well. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Um, uh, So anyway, yeah, things worked out really well. Uh, (laughs) It's really crazy to take that leap because obviously it's quite an investment in starting like every business requires like a degree of upfront cost, but obviously starting a reformer business, I mean, reformers in themselves aren't cheap. What? Because you were saying today, they're like eight grand each of a reformer. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, a huge yeah. outlay. Eight grand were, each yeah. for, for good ones because you have like, you have schmick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, uh, I guess in the transition of thinking about opening a business, um, I did explore options of franchising and um, actually like taking on. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so taking on a business um, that was already established and I guess that sort of put together the foundation of, this and that, comparing the pair. I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, going into um, a business model and buying into that, you know, although, yes, it does have, everything's pretty much given to you on a silver platter, you don't have the creative rights. And, Mm. you know, I have a very wild creative brain that is constantly ticking away. Mm. And I needed to have that in my business. You know, if you even look at Legacy Pilates, um, so Legacy Pilates is the foundation of what my business name is, Mm. but it started as Legacy Pilates and Bar. Um, Mm. Then it dropped to Legacy Pilates and then all of a sudden it turned into Legacy Pilates and Strength. So, Mm. you know, it is that, um, yeah, I guess that space of being – What's the word? Uh, innov- like, um, Innovative or entrepreneurial. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but consistently changing mm-hmm. the things that I... Yeah, that I'm, room to yeah. change. And, um, yeah. and I'm it's, it's a reflection of what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. you know, and what I'm passionate about. You know, there's not much that is on my schedule that I'll sit there and be like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but it's here for funsies. Like, yeah. you know, I'm very passionate about the, um, the projects that we have within the business. And so... Uh, that's why bar has gone for a hot minute because it's really hard to teach bar class if anyone's ever done it before. <laughs> um, it's I also t- feel like bar was having a moment like maybe five or six years ago and now it's yeah. kind of mm. like pre-pandemic and now it's kind yeah. of shifted. Scomo kind of killed it, didn't he? Oh, he yeah, did bar race. Oh, yeah, he, he kind of put us on the map and then everyone got over it after that because we bar all ray. could do bar through our, like in our lounge room that we're like, I don't want to do bar. We got over it. We're like, no, put me mm. on a reform. That yes. I can't afford in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh. Yeah. So, what do you love most about like running your own business? Uh, I don't know. I think the biggest thing for me is the connections that I build. build. And uh, it's, I don't know. I feel, yeah, I feel very honored to be able to communicate with people that have a very similar mindset, you know. Um, as myself and same values. And I get to connect with these people every single day and learn from them. I Mm. very much think that 
everyone that I interact with in life, um, I am inspired by them. And I get that opportunity to do that for a living every Mm. single day. I get to live my passion project um, every single day and get to, I don't know, feel very strong in that. Um, So I think that the community that is Croydon is, it's very special. And I know that I'm super biased about it, but I've worked at a lot of different places and what the Croydon community has is just truly special. Um, And I think that was reflected during the pandemic and what they did for me, you know, I was a business that was open for four months before the pandemic hit. Wow. So, you know, not having the branding behind me, not having all of that, it was the community that supported me through all of it. And I cannot express how grateful and thankful I am to have the, the clients, the supporting businesses, the friends that I've made during this journey um, and for them to stick by, you know, legacy and the message that was there. So um, I think that's the best thing about being a business owner. But, you know, I guess in a lot of ways I've learned to build like 700 different businesses in that one space <laughs> um, because, you know, it was like, you know, debuild, rebuild. And, you know, yeah. maybe every single time I reopened, I had a different name, but cool. Um, <laughs> so what were the, um, what did you, ha- how did you get through lockdowns? Were there any points where you almost felt like you needed to close or did you never reach that point? I mean, I hope you did. Oh, gosh, it, that must have been it's hard. Such a, it's such a hard thing because I think that the impacts of COVID are still very real for mm. me at the moment. Um, for a lot of businesses as well, you know. I think for a lot of people, like even oh, just yeah. from like a mental health perspective. 100%. I feel like it's still, it might be three years on, nearly four years on, but everyone's still yep. very much, particularly here in Victoria. I think yeah. we went through yeah, it Melbourne really uniquely. It. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Again. Oh yeah. Oh. What was it? Did you ever reach a point? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did you reach a point like where you almost felt like you had to close the doors, oh. or what was sort of how was that pro? How was that time for you? Uh, yeah. Um, I think that every single time we shut down, it it did hit mm. me in places that I don't know. I I hope that not many people felt that same sort of um, feeling, but I think that we all did in okay. in our own ways as well. Then when we reopened, it's like you don't see anything else, but you're opening doors, you're getting your shit together, all things are happening and Mm. it's full steam ahead and you are just so appreciative to be able to see people again. Yes. Um, Oh, gosh, that feeling. (laughs) To try and rebuild. I think the hardest thing through all of the lockdowns was getting uh, reopening and then having to close down again. Yeah, because how many times did that happen for you? I feel like it happened five. Was it six lockdowns or seven? I don't even know. Too many. Mm. Like (laughs) we've actually all of it like everyone's lost count. Yeah. But that was harder on a business Mm. for me well my business anyway, because you people were so excited to see people again. Mm. So they bought packs and then so they bought the packs and then we got shut down. So all of those packs meant nothing. Did and then when we then have reimburse to reimburse people? Yeah. No. Well, no, when they came back, then we had to honor them. Yeah. Honor them. Which is fair enough, you know. It's like. But then you're not getting in, an injection of funds. No. In. Yeah. So you're constantly. For a small business, to, that's a real challenge because you don't just necessarily have that, like, it's like a big business that can kind of absorb these, mm, like, cash yeah. flow challenges. Like, you kind of need that to then pay your stuff and to exactly. do everything and to pay the rent and stuff and if you're not getting people in for like six weeks because it's locked down or yeah. your cash flow is reduced it's all good well and good to say oh well you paid me six weeks ago but that money necessarily isn't 
still there six weeks later. It's not even just the staff. It's the, you know, we still had to pay tax that entire way through. Mm. Um, Your rent? Rent. Rent. rent, You know, it's that, that's actually still something that we are still trying to catch Mm. up on as well. You know, we are a very beautiful community that it continues to uh, keep, I guess, like going. Mm. But the impacts of COVID are still very real for me um, mm. on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, they'll be real for a little while. And, and mm. you know, as much totally. as I've had a lot of success in what the business has accomplished, it's, yeah, it's just, I guess, about making those smarter decisions, which I, I may not have made, you know, at other points. But, you know, I think that my fire and, um yeah, just no fear has gotten me from here to here. But there's sometimes like, I guess you get to a point where you bring in other people that are able to better equip those things, you know. Thank you, Jenna. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So yeah, bringing different skills to the business to complement yours. Oh yeah. Well, like, yeah, 100%. And there's like, I can't do it all. I wish I could. Mm. I'd love to learn. <laughs> I'm sure you've tried. Um, but That's probably one of the biggest things you have to learn as a small ooh, business yeah. owner is that you can't do it all because yeah. you always are wearing multiple hats. But yeah. at some point mm. you have to stop working in your business to work on your business yeah. to make it grow. 100%. And it's also sometimes I suck at tech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we literally uh, had that moment before we started recording. Oh, we nah, I like think you hour. guys are brilliant with tech. I'm just like there is like I, I I'm – I'm, I'm not helpful to the situation. <laughs> we'll just sit there and drink wine while yeah, taking yeah, Sean's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean, thank you, Sean. Um, but I suppose, like, obviously COVID was such, like, a unique challenge mm. and probably in some ways, like, as hard as it was, it probably taught you so many mm-hmm. things. It was, like, thrown in the deep end, sink or swim. Yeah. But what are some of the other challenges that you found when you started a business, when you were starting Legacy, that if someone else was out there thinking about starting a business, some things that, you know, just came out of left field that you didn't consider and that you would, you know, do differently now? Uh, I think the people-pleasing stuff would mm. one, be one of the, the hardest. Um, you know, it's not only just you can't, like, you can't please every single person as much as you want to. Mm. and But being really solid in how you are firm with your boundaries when it comes to, you know, being a pushover and things like that. But... Another thing that, um, you know, the team that I have are so beautiful and I'm so grateful and thankful for them, but it's understanding how to actually be a good leader, how to communicate with, you know, a team of, I think I've got, uh, it's 14-ish instructors, you know, give or take the people that are learning, um, Mm. that do the background stuff, um, you know, within the management team. Um, You know, there's about 20 people within our team and it's how to actually communicate with them effectively. Mm. Well, because was it something you've done before as in led a team or had had a leadership role? Is it something you've had to learn as you've obviously brought on staff? Mm. Like it's it's skills, they're skills within themselves. I I've haven't been in a manager position in the in the way that I have been at Legacy. You know, Mm. I I did manage, um, you know, another Pilates studio. So it kind of gave me that... A kick in the right direction mm-hmm. but it definitely wasn't the level of responsibility that I got hit when I opened the business mm-hmm. but you just do it and mm. um yeah I don't know but again I've got such a great supportive team that I guess they have that level of understanding towards yeah. um you know the fact that I am not great at emails <laughs> <laughs> yes I did 
like, you know, I wrote up some things on <laughs> the question <laughs> sheet that was sent through, like, you know, what a week ago. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm great under pressure. Yeah. I've learned that. Time crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I'm I not love a deadline. Oh, yeah. I am such a procrastinator. If yeah. I didn't have time pressure, you yeah. give me 12 hours to do something, it'll take me 12 yeah. hours. <laughs> I've yeah. Been it's like, give me an hour. <laughs> I've been enrolled in my PT course for two years. And the reason why I've gotten away with two years is because they've changed the code on it that many times mm. that... I have to get it done within when when's the third of November in like three weeks. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so that's my deadline, um, and and you've been doing it. You yeah, were doing oh, I have honestly never worked so hard on <laughs> hyperfixating on all of these things, um, but it's it's better for me. Um, if mm. you if you gave me another year, if they changed the code, it's another year until I get my. <laughs> I need the level of urgency. And how do you manage, like, obviously the business is such a, you know, obviously it's your income source, it's like your passion. Mm. So it obviously takes up a lot of your time. But then also there's a whole other side of our lives that we always have to manage when it comes to work and life. How do you strike that balance? Because I know that's something that's really difficult for a lot of small business owners because it's all on you, right? Yeah, um, I think I'm still navigating myself through that. Mm. There's been points in my life where, my social life and having that, I don't know, it, it was it was a different conversation that I had with myself. Um, truth be told, you know, and this is going to spark up a different conversation, but since actually being medicated, it's given me a different, I guess, set of eyes to view everything from. Mm-hmm. So I my priorities are different. Mm-hmm. And so honing in on the business side is so exciting for me. But being social is a very difficult thing for me. So can I, do you mind if I interrupt? You've mm-hmm. said being medicated. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about about that? Um, so uh, since I've been diagnosed with ADHD, I think I was, uh, I basically had the conversation August last year. Mm. So it's been more, I, I was actually uh, medicated on my birthday last oh. year and so my birthday just rolled around last mm. you know uh, Saturday mm. um thanks for all the scooters by the way oh my you're class. very welcome Special birthday my class. favorite yes yeah, yeah. all my favorite exercises sorry for everyone's booty uh, <laughs> but also you're welcome yeah <laughs> um but it really yeah it just it changed everything for me it mm. changed how I take in information it changed the People that I have in my life as well, the things that I did on a day to day, the things that were important, I can actually almost like see the the level of importance. Mm. Um, Prioritize. So, yeah, yeah, and I don't know. Um, it's it's a very wild ride when it comes to the diagnosis process. Um, well, for me anyway, and I mm. think that no one really warns you on that. It's kind of I had a conversation with my my therapist. We were like laughing because we both don't shut up, and <laughs> it was like you know, we kept joking about having ADHD and it's like, you know what, we should actually probably do this. So Mm. he actually booked the appointment for me with one of his clients who is a psychologist and he ended up doing the whole process for me or else I I wouldn't have done it. I went to the doctors Mm. three times before that and wanted to get diagnosed and they pushed me away. They were like, it's too hard. Is that literally what they said? Like what, yeah. Yeah. So what what sort of um, made you start to think, okay, maybe this is a thing? And obviously you tried to ask the question of your GP. So three times yeah. you were told no. It was, yeah, it was just, it's too hard to find a psychologist that will 
I don't know, I guess specialised in this. And, you know, that in itself is like... It's and then you have to a, see a psychiatrist to get the official so, diagnosis, which is on. expensive as well. Mm. So expensive. So, you know, my psychologist did the diagnosis. He ended up, like, there's three different tests that you have to do um, because I've had to redo it. There's actually five. Oh so How long are they? Is they're so long and they're, like, they're quiet. I don't know, do it with someone that, mm. you know, you really feel loved and supported by. Because mm. when I had to do it by myself, it was it was really difficult and I never thought that I would go back into that space. But I don't know. What and, kind and of questions, if you don't mind me asking, like is it why, – why is it difficult? Is it sort of delving into some really deep stuff or – It's almost the identification process of realising that you are different. Mm. Um, and I know that there are levels of ADHD that a lot of people get – um, you know, the disorganization, the um, being distracted and things like that. But it's on another level that I guess they they go through it from childhood and to adulthood. So you can have that difference. Um, you know, it's it's wild that I wasn't actually diagnosed earlier in mm. my in my high school years, you know. Mm. Um, Cause you said today like you would you could hyperfixate on one subject and just excel but then your other subjects would fall to the wayside. Is yeah. That, yeah. But it's also like sometimes things would be really interesting and fun. And then I was like, oh, I decided I don't like that anymore. Mm. Or yeah. you'd fall behind on one thing. Like I was in math methods mm. and Good you know, you. yeah, no, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, I, I didn't attend one class and I fell so far behind that I didn't have the balls to say anything or ask mm. for help or whatever. So I just stopped going. You know, and then so, you know, I went back into the normal uh, math class until I dropped it and then, you know. Never did maths again? Nah, (laughs) seriously. And But but it's that, like, you know, even the things that I did as a child, um, you know, when I talked about um, being diagnosed with um, anorexia, Mm. that is a huge symptom. That's like a red flag, you know, smashing you in the face when it comes to ADHD. even the schooling process, you know, truth be told, and I don't know if many people know this, um, but I never finished high school and I actually got expelled. Mm. So, you know, I wasn't that bad of a child, but I just didn't attend school. Yeah. You know, mm. it was... At what point did you get to? Uh, so, well... Um, if you have a issue. <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> um, so I had year nine, they actually made me stay down mm. because I just didn't attend school. Mm. And then um, I got my... I eventually got my year nine pass and then I did year 10. And again, it was like, I got, um, I got into school suspension. So I got to sit in, you know, um, uh, the principal's office. He was the best. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I didn't mind getting sent to the principal's office, but, um, but yeah, I was like very distracted. I was like, you know, all over the shop, couldn't concentrate, whatever. But I didn't realize like back then no one, no one did like diagnose me with ADHD mm. and it's like, mm. honestly, but that's like, so mm. true with so many young women. Yeah. That's why I think like everyone's like, Oh, everyone these days is being diagnosed as ADHD. And it's not, it's not that it's that everyone wasn't diagnosed when they should have been because 100%. it presents. I have a friend who's um, studying psychology and she's recently also been um, diagnosed with ADHD. And it wasn't until she was studying it. Mm. She was like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This is me. Yeah, but you don't have those conversations with people. You know, you don't go through that, like, in a monologue of what's happening. Um, You know, um, I'm not even sure if I was saying this to you. I had this conversation with someone today. But um, 
it's having to teach myself how to actually learn. Mm-hmm. So I've downloaded an app um, called Speechify and, you know, it's it actually reads the pages to me and it highlights it as I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So I do that and then sometimes if it's not connecting, I'll use the word and I'll put it into YouTube and I'll find a cartoon that goes through the muscle groups for me because mm-hmm. it's fun and it's exciting. So keeps you focused. 100%. And I have like I actually can't read out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I didn't it's even a tricky skill. Like oh, mm. I, but I like I genuinely just don't see the words as yeah. like a lot of other people can. And I don't know if it's like I don't think I've got dyslexia or anything, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's that I I actually don't know how to learn in mm. that way. So I'm I'm reteaching myself how to learn. Mm. And I was reading this amazing book called Limitless, and it's almost taken me back to the beginning of how to identify what's going to sink in for me mm. and what I can do for myself to go through that process. You know, yes, I I have built you know this amazing space, but you know, I've had a lot of people help me through that process. You know, mm. I have a very creative mind and I've got so many different projects that I start that are unfinished, um, you know, and sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes I will message Jenna and just be like, I just need someone to execute this yes. problem for me. So because, <laughs> like it's there, it's all done. And mm. I just, I don't have it in me to press that button. You know, mm. I've had a psych psychologist um visit psychologist psychologist yes Mm -hmm. um visit and he actually sat there with me and did my to-do list Mm -hmm. that's all he did so you're paying 300 dollars to go (laughs) through a to-do list because it's so hard i Mm. said i can't send a text message on you know on some days so apologies for not responding for like you know five business days Um, but yeah and and then again that goes down to the communication with my team and Mm. how loved like how much I love them and how much I want to give them. But sometimes I just can't. So mm. I'll just say it unapologetically now. Mm. I'm shit with emails. Sorry. Yep. Um, mm. But even with new staff, um, just FYI, uh, <laughs> send me an email, send me a text message, send me a screenshot, send me an Instagram. Yep. I will see one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the, I suppose, for I think there'd probably be a lot of people listening that would relate and say, yep, I hear this, this is me. But for someone that um, perhaps has never experienced that or had a friend with ADHD, what are some of just, I suppose, the day-to-day differences or challenges that you experience that I, I guess that you have now been able to identify and maybe earlier on, like I think you said, you know, just that realisation that um, it, it's, that you're different but it's okay and there's a there's a reason for it uh there's a huge I guess there's the acceptance part Mm. there's the grief there's the pain there's um I guess this realization that life could have been so much easier Mm. and then all of a sudden like you know especially for myself when I got medicated I actually fell asleep and um and my mind has never been so quiet and then mm. it's like after that came the grief and I fell into this dark place. And when, uh, especially with the medication that I was on, it's almost like the floodgates after a certain point in the day, you feel the medication wear off mm. and it's like all the voices come in, you know, mm. it's the best way to describe it. And you're like so all the different thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and with ADHD, when I'm medicated, it's almost like honing in on five different thoughts at the same time. Mm. That's why going to a cafe is very overwhelming for me because mm. I'm hearing every single conversation in that room at mm. that peak level of importance. Mm. So mm. 
Um, but it's actually how I see life now. Like I, like I said, you know, I'm actually going through things through a new lens. Um, yeah, of everything, Mm. how I even see relationships. It's like every failed relationship out there. It's like, shit, like, was that me? Like, did I destroy that? But like, (laughs) you know, I can never be harsh on myself over those things because, you know, every single thing that has happened in life has just such a beautiful message in whatever way it presents itself. And whether it's the hard or um, the good times, you know, everything was very relevant to bring me to, you know, this very moment in life that I'm very grateful for. But, um, yeah, I think that when, like, I have been through the over-medicated stage mm. and that I just didn't see anything other than the one task that I wanted to do and that was extremely hard. You know, I made some very, very big decisions in such a short amount of time mm. that a lot of people around me really saw. Mm. Mm. But you had no perspective on it? It was that like you were fixated yeah. on one, yeah. one yeah. thing? Yeah. And it would mean that I would have three days where I wouldn't sleep until mm. the task was done. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have my brother and sister that really supported me um, quite closely through all of this because I had no shame in going to them and mm. explaining to them how crazy my thoughts are. But <laughs> this is what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like I like a part of that was, you know, the strength studio and, you know, smashing down this wall and painting that room black and, (laughs) you know, putting all these new things in there. But it's like, I can't see anything but that goal. And Mm. so, yeah, I don't know. I'm very grateful that even on my birthday, I was like, y'all are free. I know you are my family. So we're going to hang out. We're going to build something. Do the working bit at the studio. (laughs) And so that's how I spent my birthday, you know, nine o'clock at night. My brother and I like had it at that point. Mm. We had to you know, try and do some techie things and that was it. The happens, yeah. we're out. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing that you have that support as well because I feel like this there's obviously been a lot of conversation, I think, about ADHD and even since the pandemic and before around anxiety, depression, mm. just mental health really generally. But a lot of the times they can be quite invisible. Mm. Like being someone who struggles with anxiety, like I don't really, I'm notorious, I don't really talk to anyone about things very often. I'm very much someone who just internalises those things but I almost feel like sometimes that can be the more difficult place to sort of exist when on the outside everyone's like, oh, my God, you're a business owner. Mm, you're doing yeah. all these amazing things. Like everything's perfect. You've got it together. But you have these sort of internal struggles. Like I have a um, severely disabled brother who's very obviously disabled. So it's one of those things that it's like it's so obvious people can't do anything other than sort of, you know, accommodate for it, it and be yeah. aware of it. But it's almost when you exist in this sphere, and I know it's very different to having like a – you know, a, a complex disability, but it's that still that space where there's like it's very misunderstood and yeah. it can be easily hidden and then people kind of go like, oh, why can't you just send that email? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the biggest thing for me is just having those really supportive people that understand and it's like it could be so silly and mm. but I'll tell them that I couldn't do this and I'm really sorry. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and, you know, I'm very much going through that moment of my life right now. Mm. Um, you know, I'm very fixated on a lot of the projects within my business that I can't steer away from it. And when I do, it's very difficult for me. So mm. I don't know, I guess in a way it's exciting because I get to dive into that world and eventually I'll probably, you know, want to live my best life and 
probably travel Bali. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Started Pilates um, studio in Bali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Explore the retreats thing because yeah. that sounds like a fun idea. Yes. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really important to have supportive people, regardless mm. of you know whether it's you know ADHD, like uh, anxiety, things like that. Being in the position that I'm in, I communicate with so many beautiful people, um, clients that become friends, and I don't know. You see it within everything you know Mm. and I think that talking about my ADHD journey um has been I don't know yeah I guess people do feel comfortable coming to me now Mm. and asking the questions and Mm. I do feel grateful that I can now connect that dot for them Mm. because it took for me to go to my my therapist and have that conversation and him and I actually went through that entire journey together Mm. the good the bad and it was very like, it was almost like when one person was down, it's like, it's all right, I got you. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. and this beautiful friendship was built over that, like that part. Mm-hmm. It was like a trauma bonding sort of situation. Yeah. But and you said also your sister, um, you called her to come over when you were doing one of the tests as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last year when I first went through the diagnosis process, um, my psychologist did it for me. And so he was asking me questions. And I remember after I was like, what? Like, mm. that's not real. Like, mm. other people don't have that. I was oh, wow. honestly, like, I felt like, I don't know, it was, it was like wild. Reveal, like, I'm yeah. exposed or something Yeah, like and I just didn't realise that. Because these things become so natural. It's yeah. Like, oh, you just assume everyone it's thinks that It's just been life. Yeah. And then, anyway, I did it by myself this year and I didn't realise, but I ended up, so I got over-medicated and I said, so I, I don't know how much involved in this conversation I'll get, but I, I ended up getting a second opinion um, from the last psychiatrist because he upped my medication so mm. much, even though I told them I didn't want to um, because I had trouble sleeping. Mm. And anyway, went up again. And so I ended up getting a second opinion, went to this new person. So they had to start it from scratch. Mm. And I started writing the test set. Oh, sorry, there was yeah five in total. I did the first two and it was so triggering that I was so broken. I called my sister and I'm like, I can't do this. I called the practice. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I need someone to help me. Um, anyway, my sister ended up going through it with me and then they got my questionnaire back that my sister had to be there for that entire conversation. And, you know, they were asking her questions about my childhood, not me. Mm. Um, but it was really interesting. And he was an amazing uh, psychiatrist and I'm very grateful for that conversation. The sad part is that I cannot get an appointment with him. Mm. So there's so few that specialize in ADHD. Yeah. Well, and there's a shortage anyway. Like it's high so high hard high. to get in. So like, you know, the fact that I felt guilty over the fact that I had to, you know, try and leave another one. Um, and for like, there were other things in that, that I think they ended up getting reviewed and it's like, it's, I just, yeah, it was, it's so hard to do that because I don't want people to not be able to get that opportunity to work on that part, whether they want to get medicated or have an understanding, whatever that looks like. You know, I'm trying to work through the medication road, but also work through the mindset stuff too. Mm. You know, where that lands me is, you know, like I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Being a psychologist, it always like baffles me how, because I saw a psychologist you know, a few years ago and I did those, you know, you get the six sessions or whatever it is through Medicare and I think they up that through COVID. But even still you're paying $80, $90, $100 out of pocket yeah. and 
you know, I was grateful that uh, I was lucky that, you know, the I think I did four or five sessions. That was enough for me just to get me sort of through that time. But it's kind of like if you need more than that, we need to go weekly. Those, those six sessions run out really quickly. And if it's $100 a pop and then after that, you know, $200, 250 $300, it, mm-hmm. the cost becomes really prohibitive in a situation where it's already difficult for people to sort of reach out to help for help when they need it because everyone feels like, oh, I don't – my problems aren't bad it? enough. I don't – I don't need to talk yeah. to someone. Yeah, and in um, regional areas in particular, I've got a friend who, you know, was desperately needing to see a psych but could not – the nearest one was an hour away, mm. had a huge wait. They had to wait like six or seven weeks to even get in. Mm. And you know what, people, when they're, when they're at a point where they're really needing to see a psychologist, it's, it's a now thing, isn't it? It's not a six, seven-week time thing. And then mm. she sort of stopped going because it was this hour drive and it was this huge – mental barrier already to try and front up so yeah. I mean, it's just those things that are prohibitive even to begin with yeah I um so I had a fun little like over hyperfixation moment where I actually wanted to figure out in the last two years how much I've spent on my mental health mm. um now this isn't like accounting like this isn't absolutely everything but it was just under nineteen thousand dollars that wow. I and it was I think it was like thirteen hundred or something that was covered by Medicare and, and then you paid in addition or yeah. that part of that 19000 Wow. Uh, so um, it was all up. Yeah. And then so that was what was covered in that but amount. That's still but even still it's like amount. 17 grand. But you think about over hyperfixation and how much I was so adamant on fixing myself. And mm-hmm. I like there was one day during one of the lockdown, not one day, one week, lots of weeks. Yeah. There was a lockdown. <laughs> there was a full period of lockdown. Well, one of those. That um, I was seeing a um, therapist three times in that week because mm. I couldn't deal with myself. Mm. So there's the rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is a symptom of ADHD. And there's what that. What does that mean? Um, so I think that the best way to, I guess not the best way, but the way to describe it is you've got bipolar and then there's rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And um, I do apologize if that is at all, you know, offensive to anybody, but you know, there is, it's a very, very similar scenario. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being someone who has like, you know, I've gone, I'm going through the process of like at the moment of being screened for bipolar because they're very similar. When Mm -hmm. things are good, they're good. When things are bad, they're, they're soul crushing and Mm -hmm. they bring you to that point of not understanding how to bring yourself out. And, you know, being someone who is just so adamant on rewiring those parts of my brain. And I love being happy. I love being positive and I love, you know, putting that message out there for other people. So, you know, when you've gone down to that deep point and you don't know how to get out of it um, and, you know, I'm very – I like I work so hard to try and get out of it. Mm. Um, obviously $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were like – I don't know. It was – I wouldn't take it back. You know, mm. I think that it was um, – I don't think, you know, not many people need to go through that much extensive work to – to get to the place, um, you know, that I am at, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it is just wild, but, Mm. um, there has been periods of my ADHD journey that are just very expensive, just in an, in a normal setting, you know, it's like, Mm. you know, a bit over a thousand dollars just to see the psychiatrist, Mm. you know, every six months. Um, and then, so, you know, I'm put onto that place of needing to go more consistent rather than, um, here is like the initial diagnosis and we'll do a review and then they kind of just go through the medication process, but they don't actually see you. They don't know you. Mm. They don't go through all of that. The psychologist is the person that gets to know me. 
Um, you know, I've done a lot of trauma healing work and EMDR stuff mm. with my psychologist. Yeah, I'm asking. It's um. Oh, I feel like I'm going to butcher this answer. <laughs> that way, you kind of like have to like go through the thought process of things, mm. and like it's kind of like almost like a not hypnotherapy, but it's yeah. kind of a similar experience. Yeah, it, it yeah. rewires like how a particular memory would stand for mm. yourself. So, you know, I'll give the example of what I was going through at that point in time, and um, I guess you know it's very successful in. Um, uh, like trauma experiences mm-hmm. for people. And so for me, you know, I have a very real traumatic experience that was very inbuilt into my conditioning. And it was, you know, being there for that moment of, you know, my father, you know, leaving this world. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most beautiful moments to be there with my dad to say goodbye. And not many people get that. But at the same time, it like it leaves something with you, you know. Yeah. You're like I, I realised how much abandonment was in that but not because I felt like he abandoned me but um it was trying to rewire that memory in my Mm. my brain and what it had that like that effect it had on me after um so it was going through that loop and they do different sensory things so there was to begin on the first week it was just a light that was like you know ticking from side to side Mm. and then they um oh no wait hang on there was the hand things first so it's like vibrates like on either sides and then the um eyes go with it so you're following a dot and then the ears like um so you've got like headphones on and that sort of connects as well so you go through the memory and then you rewire it and then you go through it and you just kind of keep going through this Mm -hmm. loop and yes it does sound very intense and it can be it can be very intense but I've been very successful in that process of um what that did for me and that, um, you know, I don't think that that didn't happen and Mm. it's still very real. It's just the way that I connect to that very soul-destroying place, I guess. It's different. Um, Yeah, but, Mm. you know, everyone has very different, uh, I guess, experiences with EMDR. Mm. I'm actually about to start EMDR specifically for ADHDers um, and there's only two psychologists that do it within Australia. It's Mm. literally like been released in the last couple of weeks so Mm. I don't know it's going to be a really interesting thing to explore um Mm. but I'll let you know how it goes yeah yeah we can do another session in a year's time yeah 100 like thank you so much for being so like open and like vulnerable I guess like these things aren't easy to talk about so we really appreciate you like sharing your story and I think so many people will really resonate with that because a lot of these things like even though people might not be you know diagnose ADHD a lot of these things exist on a spectrum so people may will probably resonate with lots of different parts of your stories just as like Rachel that I have as we've sat here listening and I think it just makes it all the more like your story really inspiring in that it doesn't really matter like what you've achieved is like so amazing and people look Mm. at your business and go so successful and so cool and I think a lot of people can see those things within themselves and go well I've got this so therefore I can't do that Mm -hmm. And um, you're just proof that that is not true. Yeah, well, I appreciate that a lot. I think that, I don't know, um, we can all pretty much do anything that we set our minds to. You know, the idea of even like creating this podcast, you know, I feel like that is such a valuable, amazing, incredible gift that you could give to the world. You know, like I said, I put together a, you know, a awesome sheet that I fixated on. I sent it to my friend. I was like, this would be really like cool. And then I was like, 
this is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's amazing. But I think that, yeah, as long as, you know, we are truly passionate about something and I don't know, we get out of our own ways when it comes to our limiting beliefs and that thought patterning that, you know, can come up then yeah, we can really achieve anything, you know, here I am. Yeah, <laughs> the school dropout. <laughs> no, I uh, love it. But thank yeah, you. so I appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you so much for just being such, you know, just a bright light in my world and being exactly what legacy is and, you know, this friendship that we've built. So I'm very appreciative that, you know, I'm here with you and that I'm honoured enough to be sitting here with you. Oh, and no. um, thank you. Yeah, so thank thank you. you so much. It's just been, oh gosh, we've covered so much. Oh, we what have. a chat. We and have. again, I'll just echo what Tegan said. Thank you for being so honest and um, open with us. And I just was so, so happy to have you as our first guest. And we know that our listeners are just going to love hearing from you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, is that where we'll wrap it up today? I we'll have to. But before you go, we have to say, like, if you aren't already at the end of this chat, Give Legacy Pilates a follow. What is the exact handle? At Legacy not Pilates. At Legacy Pilates. That's it. We can tag it on our stories. And while you're there, if you could give us a follow at the brunchfiles.podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We would love that too. But thank you again, Andy, for sharing today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you. The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and of course any First Nations peoples who may be listening today. This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously, and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy.